Welcome, True Believer readers, to Let's Read Spider-Man, the best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogue such as, I'll need a name. Well, guess Spider-Man is as good as any. Here to provide analysis for that line, and so much more, is my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? I'm doing great. I just completed a Spider-Man puzzle, and Peter, Spider-Man is an excellent name. Let's keep going with that. From August of 1962, Stan Lee presents Amazing Fantasy 15, Spider-Man. Written by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Penciled and inked by Steve Ditko. Let's begin our summary, James B. The splash page begins with Peter being made fun of at Midtown High by one of his peers saying, That bookworm wouldn't know a cha-cha from a waltz. Peter's hazing continues when a classmate turns down his invitation to go to the new atomic science exhibit and Flash Thompson mocks him for it. Thankfully, we also see Peter praised by his teachers and at home pampered by his beloved Aunt May and Uncle Ben. Peter's a regular kid, someone the reader could relate to. At the atomic science exhibit, he is bitten by the radioactive spider, which gives him powers. And through a series of panels, he discovers and tests out his new powers, culminating in Peter entering a wrestling competition against Crusher Hogan. Eddie, he not only beats, but humiliates the muscle-bound wrestler. He impresses a TV producer in the audience, who promptly offers him a spot on the Ed Sullivan Show. Peter heads home, where he's once again pampered by his dear aunt and (laughs) uncle, and develops his iconic web shooters and costume. Oh, so nice to see Aunt May and Uncle Ben. Uh, So interesting also, James B., to see his new powers in action. The book alludes to his spider sense when he almost gets hit by a car and leaps out of the way as the driver yells, That was one egghead who won't daydream anymore when he crosses the street. (laughs) He climbs a building and crunches a steel pipe with just his hands. Then he crawls down a steel cable effortlessly. Uh, Pairing these with the web shooters in costume, we really get a sense of the creative powers of Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. In part two of this 11-page story, we begin with Spider-Man in the spotlight, wall-crawling and generally wowing everyone on the Ed Sullivan show. After the show, he turns down a slew of acting agents clamoring to recruit him. And a thief runs past, chased by a security guard. Peter does nothing to stop the criminal, but when the guard berates him, he says the haunting words, Save your breath, buddy. I've got things to do. In the following days, Spider-Man becomes a national sensation on TV and in newspapers. But one night, when he arrives home, he learns that... Uncle Ben has been shot and killed by a burglar. Despondent and enraged, Spider-Man swings into action, quickly locating the burglar at the old Acme warehouse. With one punch, Spider-Man knocks out the burglar, and when he looks at his face, he sees the same robber he let run past him, with Peter in tears. The narrator tells us, With great power, there must also come great responsibility. Eddie, one thing I noticed about this story is there are really no wasted panels. When trying to summarize this book, I I realized every single panel almost is important. 
it's super dense, and we really get a sense of Steve Ditko and Stan Lee's style of both writing and illustrating. Uh, they had just 11 pages to get this story in. It's origin, uh, the side characters of Aunt May and Uncle Ben, and then the development into being a full-fledged superhero. Uh, it's so super impressive. <laughs> I think it actually was a better story because it was 11 pages. If this had been 23 pages, I could see how there'd be a lot of fluff and unnecessary things going on there. But having so little space to work with is what I think makes it, you know, the best Spider-Man book ever. Yeah. I almost like poetry. Uh, each word is extremely valuable and important. And now it's time for our close. I'm James B. Joined by Eddie. And remember, listeners, if you're crossing the street wearing a sweater vest and carrying a bunch of books... Someone might try to hit you with their car to teach an egghead a lesson. Goodbye. Goodbye. Listeners, what you just heard was a reworking of our first episode 28 months after it was first recorded. Because we've learned so much, we wanted to go back and give you a higher quality Let's Read Spider-Man experience. Episode 2 has not been reworked and is the original that we recorded 28 months ago. As you listen to our Silver Age original summaries, you may notice that our original microphones are not as good and our format changes over time. For many episodes, we have no guests. We have no social media references. I don't think the first sound effect happens until episode 11. But there's still plenty of good content. In fact, in just a moment, you will hear the original episode one of our podcast, which is completely different, but we think still interesting. If you need to have high quality recordings and clever segments and (laughs) well-structured formats, try jumping ahead to episode 30 or 60 or... 201. But if you don't mind a little less sophistication and enjoy great content, then please give our early episodes a try. Speaking of early episodes, here again, right now, is the completely different take on Amazing Fantasy 15 in the original Let's Read Spider-Man Episode 1. It is time for you to get to listen to the inaugural episode of Let's Read Spider-Man! Let's Read! Wow, that was a uh, that was quite an intro song, Eddie. Fantastic music. Fantastic. I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know if I can live up to the quality of this podcast now after hearing that intro. That's uh, a special shout out to Jeff Keniston for an amazing, amazing, amazing job at our intro. Thank you, thank you, James B. and Jeff Keniston. Well, if you haven't picked up on it by now, I am James B. and I am joined here today by Eddie, and we are the hosts of Let's Read Spider Man. Where we, um, well, basically we read The Amazing Spider-Man, which starts off with Amazing Fantasy 15, and we're going to read Amazing Spider-Man 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, etc., etc. I'm not going to promise you that we're going to go 300 issues in three years, but I'm going to say I'd like to go 300 issues in three years, Eddie. That is a bold statement. Let's do it. (laughs) All right. Amazing Fantasy 15. And Eddie, if you look at the cover, it says on the cover page, Though the world may mock Peter Parker... The timid teenager, it will soon marvel 
at the awesome might of Spider-Man. Hyphenated name, Eddie, by the way, too. And then it says, also in this issue, an important message to you from the editor about the new Amazing. Ooh, Eddie, this is exciting. I can't wait to see what happens next. It is a bold opening. And then we open up the cover. After after the cover, we open up, we see sad Peter Parker getting getting insulted by a couple of different kids. One of, one of the reoccurring insults that will happen to Peter Parker, he is called a bookworm. That bookworm wouldn't know wouldn't know a cha-cha from a waltz. Poor Peter Parker. It's, it's a remarkable change of everything that we see on the cover of Amazing Fantasy 15. Then in into the first page. Spider-Man is very bold and fierce looking, I would say. And then we open it up to see Peter pa- Peter Parker very sullen um, with a great, to be fair, a great um, shadow behind him of Spider-Man, a man and a spider and a web. Yeah, I don't, that web is, uh, the web is pretty prominent. You see him all the time, but the spider, interesting. It's, a, it's something that I don't think we're going to be using a lot going forward, the actual spider, except for the logo on his costume. But yeah, professional wallflower he is. You might not think he's a cool guy, but his uh, his Uncle Ben hits him with some cool talk right away where uh, he's rubbing his head and says, you're not full of me, Petey. I know you're awake and it's time for school. And he <laughs> says, gosh, Uncle Ben, you're worse than a room full of alarm clocks. Yuck, 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 yuck. Oh, love that panel. Uh, Uncle Ben, not going to be in the issue that much, but he's in a, uh, he's in a few panels in the beginning. Uh, he gets to be sitting with Peter. Uh, once again, he's got his hand on his shoulder while Peter's getting ready to eat his wheat cakes. And then uh, we see Peter having more success. He is uh, with his favorite test tube, working on uh, a scholarship. And then he's making a move on a young lady, but uh doesn't really work out because he tells him, Peter, for the upteenth time, you're just not my type. Not when dreamboats like Flash Thompson are around. And there is the- Poor Peter. Yeah, there's the Biff, the Biff Tannen of the book, okay, <laughs> who gives him a shove backwards, and the books are flying around. Peter, of course, comes at him with the, uh, you know, the George McFly line of, there's a great new exhibit at the Science Hall tonight. Would any of you like to go with me? And they're like, Science Hall, Psh, you stick to science. We'll take the chicks. See you around, bookworm. And then Liz drops a line that's actually, Eddie, the title of a book. Give our regards to the Atom Smashers, Peter, which is a book written about comic books. Mm. And they named it that line, which is my favorite, my favorite insult for many, many issues. I love that line. What what else is going on with Peter after this? uh, He gets left behind. We see that Peter is an uncommon, apparently an uncommon uh, student at his school because he goes to a experiments in radioactivity science exhibit, which is quite remarkable for someone who seems to be very young although we have seen him holding a test tube so we know he's kind of sciencey and at the exhibit um there's these two big red balls and there's a big burst of light and a, excuse me a spider falls from them and bites peter parker which makes him feel kind of strange and then poor peter parker not only are his classmates but the scientists are like um you know, kind of ripping on Peter Parker. Looks as though our experiment unnerved young Parker. And they're smiling and laughing at him. How dare they? So Peter Parker feels kind of weird, and he ends up, he's walking outside, and there's this great look of where his fingertips are yellow. And a car drives by him, which, (laughs) car drives by him and is able, once again, insult Peter Parker, egghead, calls him an egghead. And he jumps up onto a wall, and 
from there, he discovers something about his hands. Yeah, it looks like he's able to just scale the wall as easily as he can walk, to which a little kid sees him and goes, Mommy, there's a man walking up the side of a building. The mom's response isn't to turn around and see what her son's looking at. Her mom's response is just to say, that's the last horror movie I take you to, young man. Which makes me wonder, why is she taking her son to a horror movie in the first place? This kid looks like he's about five. (laughs) But uh, that's not what the story's about, Eddie. The story's about the fact that Peter Parker scales the wall. He climbs right up to the top of the building, grabs a pipe, and crushes it with his hand. So now we know that he has the, uh, the, the strength and the powers of... I mean, essentially, maybe a spider. He then finds a way to grab a cable and walk on it like a spider. And he realizes, these are my powers, everyone. I'm strong. I can climb on webs. I can climb on buildings. And uh, I just need a chance to find a place to test these powers. And he happens to run into a, a sign, just coincidentally, that says, $100 to the man who can stay in the ring three minutes with Crusher Hogan, Eddie. Crusher Hogan shows up and he's quite a character. We see yeah, on the next page, Peter Parker shows up and he's got like a, I don't know, some kind of mask, but it doesn't, certainly wasn't, wasn't spent a lot of time making this mask. And he goes into the ring with Crusher Hogan, Peter Parker. And James B., how much do you like when um, Peter Parker, I, I'm not going to call him Spider-Man yet, even though he will be Spider-Man, he pulls Crusher Hogan, he just picks him up and like climbs him all the way to the top of the pole. There's this great panel where Crusher Hogan is peeking out from behind his fingers. <laughs> you like this one, right, James B? I do like this one. By the way, for the, for the, for the listeners who might not have read this, it looks like he's wearing like pantyhose or something because he, he can see through his mask. It's a full, it's a full headpiece, one item. It's got to be. They they drew it with like the lines. I think it's I think it's pantyhose. Oh, okay, all right. Like Great like thought. if you were robbing a bank, Eddie. Yeah. You know, before the days of Spider Man, if you wanted to rob a bank, I think that's what he's doing. And and there's a guy in the audience um, who I believe will be later named Maxie. And he realizes that, like, this is the character he could be looking for to make some money. And, and he goes up to Peter and he says, listen, friend, I'm a TV producer. With uh, that act of yours, we can make a lot of money. So he gives him some. Now, he gives him some cash. Here's some cash. Here's 100 bucks for, for winning. And he's like, great, I got 100 bucks for it. It's going to be great. There's going to be no problem with him getting cash in the future doing this job. He goes home and he decides that he needs a little bit more um little more to his costume so he decides he's going to work on these little devices that he has eddie and 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 i'm sorry i'm so distracted by the fact that he keeps getting offered crackers and milk from uh, uncle ben and aunt <laughs> did, may where he's did trying he to just have some wheat cakes <laughs> these 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 lovable these lovable uh parents of his you know these are not his real parents uh, these are his aunt and his uncle. Because, parental parental figures, right? Yeah, parental his, figures for his, his parents have, have passed away. He's working on some sort of contraption. And I, I'm looking here thinking, I guess he must have already created this because it's it's too complete. Like, it's not like he just whipped this up. Unlike the costume, which he immediately somehow sews. And uh, now he's got a full Spider-Man costume, which is basically the costume he's going to wear from now on there is one little variant where it looks like the back has a blue logo on it but this is the first issue so we now know he's strong um he uh he can climb walls he can walk like on like a tightrope like a like a web essentially he also has created a costume a full costume not just a pantyhose uh headpiece 
And again, it kind of throws me off, but he seems to have his web shooters were something he must have been working on in the past. I, but I don't know how he got these going so quickly, but I guess he's ready to go because at the end it says, okay, world, better hang on to your hat. Here comes the, the Spider-Man. So he's ready to go. The Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, how, how clever is Peter Parker? He seems quite brilliant from all that. But he goes straight to the big the big uh, TV show here in part two of uh, Amazing Fantasy 15. And everyone is super impressed with how Spider-Man climbs walls and he shoots his web here, showing him shoot web, um, to which um, oh, the TV producer um, that is has set this up for him, which I will say, what a uh, prominent figure at a Crusher Hogan <laughs> $100 to wrestle him match. But he says, not too much. Um, leave him begging for some more uh, and, on the TV show he has there. And, and continuing in part two, by the way, I think it's funny this is a two-part issue. With, it's only 11 pages, and it's like <laughs> broken up into two parts. But he does leave him uh, begging for more because he, he's like, people are calling, I'll put you in the movies, I want an interview. I want to put you in this magazine. And he's like, yeah, talk to my agent. I'm busy. Like, you know, he's kind of being a little bit of a, a little bit of a jerk. I'm busy, but not terrible. But until um, somebody runs by and the police officer is chasing this guy and he says, stop, thief, stop him. If he makes it to the elevator, he'll get away. And he's like, hey, what's going on? And the guy jumps in the elevator and he's laughing. He's like, I'm safe now. That cop can never get down the lobby as fast as I can. in this high speed express elevator. Lucky that goon in a costume didn't stop me. So it's all spelled out for everyone. All you had to do was stop this guy. He'll never be able to catch this guy now. And the police uh, officer goes up and calls him out and says, what'd you do? You couldn't have stopped him for one second. And his response is, dude, not my problem. I got to look out for number one. I got things to do. He goes home and he runs back into his Aunt May and his Uncle Ben. And they bought him a microscope. Things look so good for Peter at that time. And he goes on to be make more appearances as Spider-Man uh, in the days following. Uh, sensation of the nation. So we assume, I don't know, there's several newspapers here. He must have put on several shows in it, uh, as says, it says, the days following, over the course of a couple of days. And then one evening, Peter Parker returns home. Poor, um, poor Peter Parker. He learns that his uh, Uncle Ben has been shot and murdered. And so this enrages Peter Parker. And he's like, uh, the police say, we, we, have the, we have the criminal. He's trapped at the old Acme warehouse. And um, he runs off as Spider-Man to um, go to the old Acme warehouse. Right, James B.? Love that old Acme warehouse. Yep, it's <laughs> on the other side of town. Spider-Man heads over there, and uh, the guy's right there. Spider-Man confronts him and says, you'll never escape, murderer. Surprised to see me? And... Uh, he goes right after him. I mean, the guy has no chance. That's that's for sure. Because I mean, we've already seen that Spider-Man's got some strength. He's got his webbing, his incredible agility, ability to climb walls, and it's it's a very short fight. To which I, I think it's impressive. We also see that like guns are not a problem for Spider-Man because he just blasts it with some web, and the fight is over very quickly. And he takes you know he takes a good look at the robber. And there's this great panel where, like, Spider-Man is leaning over and they have, like, the pupils of Spider-Man's eyes, which I don't know, James B. I, I haven't read ahead too much, but I, I don't think we're going to ever. It seems unlikely we'll see Spider-Man's pupils piercing through his costume. But what a, a great effect to kind of show the intensity of the situation as Peter Parker realizes that the robber that he has captured here is the same guy who ran past him when he was, like, 
not my problem, you know, to the elevator. So a really intense uh, emotional scene for poor Peter Parker and Spider-Man, and it shows him crying at the end and then doing the slow walk away. And there's a great, a great ending here. And so a legend is born and a new name is added to the roster of those who make the world of fantasy the most exciting realm of all. And a legend is born. What, <laughs> what, a, what a great ending to a very compact and intense uh, book. Right, James B.? Yeah, I, I thought of three things while we were reading this I wanted to share. One is I did look up while we were talking the Give Our Regards to the Atom Smashers, um, which I, I just knew something about this. It is a 2004 book. It is um, contemporary writers weighing in on the world of comics that they used to love and hate, ones they read as kids, ones they read now. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's mm-hmm. contemporary writers talking about comic books. And the name of the title of the book is Give Our Regards to the Atom Smasher. So that's, why, that's where that came from. Uh, second thing I want to mention is uh, the final panel that you were just reading, So Alleged is Born, right above that, Eddie, is, is a very, very important line. And that line is, at last in this world, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. The, the often misquoted line, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, but from Spider-Man... You know, a big, big line for, for a good reason. And and I have one more thing I want to add, but do you want to say something first so I don't just take all our time here? Uh, I, you know, I just, there's there's so much that happens in this comic. And, um, you know, I, I just, it's, it's remarkable that Spider-Man, he really, as a superhero, he, he just has so much trouble um, all throughout. This is not like some kind of like, clean cut uh superhero shows up there's a villain he goes in captures the villain everyone cheers you know the superhero looks happy at the end there's there's a lot of emotion in all of these uh pan- and most of these panels and we just see so many different uh aspects of peter parker and his life and his relationships to uncle ben and aunt may it's a it's a very intense uh book for me that contains a lot of information so what, what are you going to add at the end here, James B.? I have nothing more to add, but I do have a quick sponsor break. I'd like to thank our sponsor for today's episode. That is the Old Acme Warehouse, located at the other end of town. It is first and foremost a place to hang out. They serve crackers and milk. It is a creative and professional space <laughs> for professionals. You don't have to know a cha-cha from a waltz to know how great this place is. It is a place for freelancers and a great place for burglars to hide out. <laughs> Don't wait. Please visit that old Acme warehouse on the other side of town. A great place to hang out. Check out their website, www.oldacmewarehouse.com. That's www.oldacmewarehouse.com. I have not been to the old Acme warehouse myself. Uh, Eddie, have you been there? Uh, I can't say I've been there either. But if I, if I needed a place to go, although... <laughs> If they're advertising for burglars, I don't know. <laughs> it's you know, it's it's some it's a place to ha- it's a place to hang out. Oh, I hear I'm I'm laughing at our sponsor. We're never getting sponsored by Acme Warehouse ever. I do have one more thing to add, but you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna stick it in after the credits because I think we've covered enough here. And if uh, anybody wants to stick around for that, we'll play it uh we'll play it after our theme song. All right, but I want to wrap this issue up and say thanks, Eddie, for uh, for joining me on this issue of uh, Let's Read. Spider-Man. I very much enjoyed it, James B. And look, look forward to reading 
all the Spider-Mans forever in the future. <laughs> At least 300, right? <laughs> and uh, if you uh, if you have any comments on our issue, you could uh, write to us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, I want to give one more thanks again to uh, a great sound from uh, Jeff Keniston. It's, is it a cha-cha or a waltz, James B? <laughs> we look forward to seeing you guys next week for another great issue of Let's Read Spider-Man. James B., I did something I have never done before. I read the other two stories in Amazing Fantasy 15. Uh, the first one was called The Bell Ringer. It's about an old man who can't stop himself from ringing a steeple bell despite the townspeople evacuating from an impending volcanic eruption. That does not sound that interesting. <laughs> and the other is Man in the Mummy Case. A man fleeing police is convinced by a mummy to hide in a sarcophagus, only to find that he's been teleported back to Egypt to be a slave for the rest of his life. That actually sounds a little bit interesting. <laughs> uh, I guarantee, James B., it's not particularly. Uh, it's unreal to me how much less interesting these two stories are than the first one about Spider-Man. Uh, it probably helps contrast uh, to have Spider-Man paired with two exceedingly dull stories. I know Stanley's publisher, Martin Goodman, didn't want him to publish Spider-Man. So uh, without authorization, Stan put it into Amazing Fantasy 15 because he knew the title was going to die. Uh, thanks for breaking the rules, Stan. I've heard the story many times before and... I don't know how much of this is really, really true and how much of it's just embellished to make the story better. I've seen Stan Lee many times. I could see him embellishing things, Eddie, to make this more. <laughs> not surprising at all. Yeah, not surprising at all. So we'll never know.